Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old-fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with Clearmotive Marketing. Thank you to my business partner, Chad Croker, and the entire team who worked tirelessly behind the scenes to make this show a reality. As a founding partner at Clearmotive, I'm excited to announce the official launch of our industrial marketing system. As a company with 15 plus years of experience with a variety of clients in nearly every sector, we identified that industrial manufacturing companies were underserved. You have unique needs, and we have developed a unique skill set to help you succeed. If you build and sell a product that helps other companies, we have developed an industrial marketing system to get your highest priority product in front of your ideal customer profile in less than eight weeks. Gardner recently reported that your buyers are 87% of the way through their buying process before contacting your company directly. That means it's never been more critical to apply the right marketing process to create and close more deals. Our three-stage industrial marketing system helps you shorten your sales cycle by using modern marketing tactics designed specifically for your industry and more importantly, for the way your clients like to buy. Stop sitting on the sidelines wondering which part of your marketing is working and put a system in place that makes it easy for your most valuable prospects to find you and get excited about your solution to their challenges. To find out more about what ClearMotive's industrial marketing system can do for you, please check us out at www.clearmotive.ca slash IMS, or better yet, open up your email and contact me directly at tyler at clearmotive.ca, T-Y-L-E-R. I'm excited to chat with you and put a plan in place to get your most valuable leads contacting you and not your competitors. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to Mr. Dan Jurescu. How are you, Dan? Hey, how are you? I'm nice fantastic. You, Dan, you are, you, okay, I'm going to take a moment here. It's a big deal. You're my first third time returning guest. So no other guests on the show have been sat in the seat. They've been some twos, but never a three. And uh, you and I met way back at the beginning. Kind of, I don't even, I'm not even going to pick the date, but because I have no concept of time now because of COVID. But, you know, when I sat down with you the first time, I went from not really knowing or understanding blockchain to feeling a lot more confident than I was. And I've had the opportunity to watch you guys grow and provide a little bit of support through our marketing company. But you are now that you're, you're now, you are the founder at Credivera, formerly known as TerraHub. So maybe let's just start there. What's a, let's jump in an elevator and uh, we got 30 floors. What's a, what's a Credivera, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> the Creative Era. Um, so, well, thank you to the marketing company uh, that's uh, run by uh, uh, Tyler Chisholm and, and his uh, posse. Um, <laughs> thank you, sir. So, thank you. So, if it wasn't for you guys, we wouldn't have been Creative Era. We would have stuck to Terra Hub Technologies. Um, so, what is Creative Era? Creative Era is a technology company that focuses on providing digital identity for the workforce and specifically for. Uh, those that are in high-risk profile workforce environment. We uh, wanted to create a way in which um, the organization can use our compliance tools to verify the workforce, um, employment certifications, qualifications, competencies, um, directly from the source of issuance, and uh, making sure that everybody is, um, you know, is being kosher and uh, truthful about who they are and what they do and how they can do it. So we've uh, we've been growing the company over the last uh, few years, and um, you know we're now uh, at the point of uh, launching into U.S. operations, and it's been um, it's been a wild journey. I can, yes, which we'll unpack a little bit today. But let's. I don't want to skim. Yeah. I don't want to skim over it because again, I've had the privilege of sitting in the room and working through what this is and how it works. But give us maybe just let's give us a use case. So you know. This is yeah. providing the ability for someone to say, yes, I have the right credentials to do this thing. Walk us through like how that would work and what kind of a scenario that would, that this would be like really valuable and impactful in. Absolutely. So um, we, we do a lot with, like I said, um, high-risk profile workforce. So think of, let's take construction as an example. 
you have um, a construction company, you might have a few, you know, maybe you have a hundred or a few thousand employees, and you need to be able to monitor at each individual job and location who has what certifications and credentials. So you use our compliance tool to say, for this job location, I need every carpenter, every welder, every uh, foreman, site supervisor, whoever they are, to meet these minimum requirements. And these requirements are typically certifications of um, everything from their H2S Alive to um, confined space training, fall arrest, ground disturbance. So things that um, the industry-leading service providers um, will have as part of their um, good HSE practices okay. for on-site safety. And the intent here is that as the, as the company creates these package of requirements, they pass them on to an individual through what we call a digital wallet. And a digital wallet is just a way for the individual to consume the data and the packages of information that they need to respond back with saying, I actually have these accreditations as you've requested of me, so therefore you should allow me on that job site. And to be clear, but what we wanted to do- Sorry, what we're replacing is an old binder and an old stack of papers, to be clear, right? Like this was, this was the before yeah. time? A hundred percent. Okay. But most importantly, what we wanted to focus on is um, how do we truly trust that this information is coming from its original source of issuance, right? How do I know that this ticket is really a Danatech or a Wino training ticket, right? How do I know that this ticket is really a construction safety association ticket? So what we do is we actually go back and we integrate our system back into the original issuer system. So that way when somebody says, hey, I have a ground disturbance uh, ticket from Danatech, then it pings a Danatech system and says, is it true that Dan Jurescu, student number one, two, three, mm. with this um, ticket uh, type actually took and received this training from you? And is it still in good standing? Mm. And that actually creates a unique link between the person and the training provider that will now be there forever. Right? So this means that if a person is going to come up for an expiry, uh, the training provider actually gets pre-notified to say, hey, by the way, Dan's about to come up for expiry. You need to go in and retrain Dan or book him for a classroom uh, environment. Oh, so, so this so, way, so you a as a company... Great way to stay connected and not let your stuff lapse, basically. Mm. 100%. Right? right? And as okay. a company, I always have the assurance that I can see this, this uh, circle of, of certification being completed at all points in time. Well, credibility, okay. compliance—you know, all, all, all the things. Hundred percent. And this is all run to be to on on the blockchain, or on, this is blockchain technology that allows you to do this in this way. To, to touch on that, to geek out maybe a little yeah. bit on that, on that side of the road. Yeah. So what what the technology allows us to do is to create this um, this ledger component where we can create a true single source of truth, right? Which means that. If anything was going to change in the issuer's database or the issuer's health and safety system or training record system, it would reflect everywhere where the person has shared it out with, right? So let's take a, as an example here, Tyler, I'm, uh, I'm a PNG, right? And I, and I go to a PEGA and I have to maintain my, you know, 60 hours of learning uh, uh, credits a year. Um, and then I need to maintain by paying my membership, I need to maintain my membership in good standing. Well, if a peg is tied to my digital wallet and I'm presenting this information back to my employer, because uh, that's part of my employment agreement with them, if a peg was ever to suspend my license because one, I didn't meet my credits, or two, I've, um, uh, you know, I haven't paid my, my membership fees, for example, 
it would automatically notify everybody in the system that this is no longer in good standing. That's where that ledger and oh, interesting. Okay, component. so as the as the individual, so as the individual, I, it's my data. I have control of it. It's my. I own yeah. the wallet. Is that the right? I just want to make sure I'm using the right. I'm going to throw terms out, and yeah. if I get it wrong, let me know. <clears throat> you got uh, it. Can I? That's interesting because that provides a lot of transparency and it really kind of erases this gray area of, oh yeah, sure. I've got my certification. Yeah, absolutely. My paperwork. Oh, yeah. I just haven't got, it. I'll get it to you later. That really wipes that right off the table, like immediately. hundred percent. A hundred percent. And more importantly, it actually puts the a portion of the power into the issuer's hands, something the issuer has never had before, right? So we launched recently with, um, with a major issuing organization and they actually ended up deciding to buy the system for themselves and issue this digital wallet to every one of their um, um, holders of their certification. Um, and the reason why they did that is because they said, listen, from a brand identity perspective, I can control who can say something about themselves. But two, I can actually reduce some huge internal costs of, um, um, of creating cease and desist letters to people that say they are something who they're not. Right, so it's it becomes incredibly powerful when you actually finally have a voice as an issuer. So, so it, and how do how does that middle person feel about that? Like, and again, I'm immediately thinking of the the the, the black case or the worst case scenario. We've got somebody. Yeah. So the person who's kind of used to maybe working the system, and I want to be careful with the terms I use. I don't yeah. want to imply That's any dishonesty sure. or any missteps. But they're, they're hey, it's just the nature of it. Uh, I'm assuming the people that are already compliant and okay with being being honest and straight up about things, don't find an issue yeah. in it. And then there's a little bit of a gray area where people do. And that maybe that's just the nature of the, also the world we live in as we, transparency is just becoming more. Mm. That's right. Hmm. And, and Tyler, I think what's important to note here, and I don't know if you saw this article, but um, um, this would have been early November. Uh, RCMP does, um, does a news publishing um, that talks about uncovering an operation that's selling fake First aid certificates. I did not. I, 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 I did not see that, but that's wow. <laughs> that's, right. That's such, this such is a this is an example. RC investigation, right? Like this is no longer just like Dan saying, "Oh, you showed up with a fake certification on site." This is a full fledged RCMP investigation that ran across Alberta, um, that is now been spanning across Canada to identify how many people have actually been purchasing these fake certifications. So imagine how powerful it is when I'm the you know, the steward at, um, at the gate when my, you know, company man or my union members or my, um, you know, my, um, my subcontractors in trades uh, that are coming on behalf of another subcontractor in trade, when they show up at that work set, they have what they need to have in their good standing, right? And it's in simple digital wallet that's been pre-shared with the gate attendees. Everybody knows that once you're on site, you can only be there because you've met all the requirements of that site requirement. This is maybe so, a bad reference, but it sounds very familiar to something that we're all being exposed to now as we download our vaccine passports and we scan uh, them to go into a restaurant. And like maybe yeah. I'm wading into some some territory here, but hey, this is something we all know now as individuals okay. and we've been exposed to it. Our views of it, let's park that for a second uh, on, on, on all of this thing. But now to get... I know if I'm in a restaurant right now, everybody who's got in there had scanned this thing to get in the door. That's just the, that's the bar that's been set specifically in Alberta. Uh, is this similar? Would I literally just scan my code with my guy? Like I'm just taking it back to something we all can relate to. A hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. Like it, it, either one, you can scan the QR code that's been put on the fence for you to, and then your, you know, your, your screen goes green and says, yep, you're good to go in. 
because you meet all the requirements of that site that day of what's needed. Uh, but two, you know, and I'm going to quote uh, Luke Simpson, who's uh, the president of Canna, and Canna is one of our one of uh, the companies that deployed our software. And you know, we've been public with them in, in the in the um, in the media space, right, about what we did. But his point of why we did it and why the company chose to do it is, it's everybody's right to go home safe at night, right? It's an industry right. It's not about it's not about competing. Um, you know, with Graham and Ellis Don and Bird and others. It's about the fact that all of us have that same right, which is I want to go home safe at night, right? It almost takes that emphasis of the road signs, right, that, uh, that say my mom and dad work here, right? Please drive slowly, right? Like taking that to a point of don't put me at risk on my work site just because you chose to not do something, right? But you've now put me and the whole company and the crew at risk, so it's about really taking away that entire risk mitigation component while creating a, um, a very interesting comfort zone because, you know, Tyler, for sure, we go through that, you know, well, big brother, you're watching me, this and that. You know, we go through that, right? It's a, it's a natural reaction of an individual that says, well, why do I need to do this? And the reality is that it, it kind of comes down to the one part that we, we haven't talked about, but we're moving as a... Um, um, not as a province, but also as a country, we're moving towards this, which is the ability for you to truly own your information, right? Self-sovereign identity, right? We're going to, the, to this phase where not only do you own your info, but you can see who wants to access your info. And more than that, you get to choose who can access your info, right? So we're moving towards this new phase here, and that's going to dig us into, into a bit of a hole here in our morning conversation. <laughs> well, sure. there wouldn't be a conversation um, between Tyler and Dan if we didn't go down some deep, some deep rabbit holes. <laughs> but, but that's, that's an interesting... The, that's and, and, and I, like you own it. Yeah, and, that, and that's what changes this dynamic a little bit of like this big brother and this somebody's put doing this thing to me, you know, where at the end of the day, ultimately understanding what you're offering, I as the individual, this is my credentials wallet. I own this wallet. That's and right. I can revoke access to anybody if I, if I decide. And that's very different than the social media apps and all the junk we use today on our phones that we basically, I don't care how deep you go in the fine print, you miss a checkbox that's somewhere right. and somebody's mining exactly. your information. <laughs> yeah, 100%, right? And that's, and that's where, you know, when we were, so we, we recently completed um, a round of, um, of uh, financing. So another growth round of our team. Congratulations. You know, thank you. And we're, we've been blessed that our, Original investor group that came in into into our first round last year in October, uh, so October 2020. Not only did they participate, but they over overtook the next round as well. And um, you know, very powerful statement from them in believing what we're doing mm. is is moving in the right direction. But what was also very important was when we went down the path of understanding this market segment of what do people care about. Mm -hmm. We're starting to learn more and more that people care about their identity. People care about their access to their data. They care about how that data is shared. And they also care that they know who has and who's deeming requests to access of that data. Okay. And that becomes very powerful when you, when you as a company have to you know, make a stance on selling or not selling data, right? I'm not in the position, nor will I ever be in the position, and we took a stance as a company that we don't want to be you know, a, a repackager and a, and a seller of, of, of a personal data. But what I can do for a... Um, province, for example, uh, let's say the province of Alberta, I can go and I can tell you how many welders there are, right? 
Well, at least from my point of view, anyway, of the, of the individuals that run through our systems, right? Or carpenters, or Red Seal certification um, um, uh, owners, right? And uh, recipients of that, and holders of blue books, right? Like, I can start telling you this over time. I don't need to tell you the names. I don't need to tell you anything about that individual. I just need to tell you that there are these individuals that exist in this province. And by the way, you can then over time look at trending to understand whether it's, you know, something that's going up, it's going down, or, um, right? But it zero breach into the, into the um, uh, data identity space, right? Of like, hey, by the way, did you know that uh, Tyler has a Red Seal certification as a, um, you know, as a, as a chef? Um, and you're like, mm, no, I didn't. And it's like, well, you shouldn't have known anyway, because it wasn't about who is Tyler. It's about does that certification exist? And does somebody in this province have it? Interesting. Okay, so I'm assuming that's an interesting yeah. journey for you guys as you really start to understand the value that can be created through this data that's going to accumulate, but how do you do it in, an, yeah. in a nameless, faceless way? So it, you can learn and then capitalize on it and provide value with, again, protecting the privacy of that individual. A hundred percent, right? And that's, where, and that's where the government is moving as well. I mean, as, as, long, as much as people you know, kind of sit back and they, and they look at the whole, um, the government's going to know too much about me. Right, like uh, the more data I disclose, the more they're gonna know about me. The more they're gonna track me. Um, we've been working on this uh, on this program, um, and, I, and I think we talked about this in the early days, Tyler. It's it's a user centric, verifiable program um, that's run by the Treasury Board, and the point of it is to um, create a, a method in which you can verify that a person is a real person and that a business is a real business in Canada, mm. right? Okay. And it's it's got massive implications for the way that um, the information is going to be stored, managed, distributed, shared, accessed, right? So imagine how powerful it's going to be for you if you walk into a dealership and somebody says, hey, can I run a, a credit score on you? Because you're looking to pick up a new, a new vehicle. Mm -hmm. And the moment that they want to do that, with your permission, your app will ultimately be notified of saying, hey, whatever, GMC dealership mm -hmm. is asking for permission to do this verification on their behalf. And you would have to say yes, right? Versus and the, versus the current credit that. bureau and the credit score and the way it works today, and which is a completely out of your control. And for most people, it's a black bag. It's, it's this huge piece of information about them that allows you to participate in this financial system we have here. But most people are completely unaware of it. Yeah. Interesting. But that's, and that's, that's a beautiful part, right? So all of a sudden it becomes you, and it becomes you with the accessibility and the capability. So if you're looking at the, the amount of work that's being done in Canada, U.S., and Europe um, on the privacy laws and the way that it, they're being issued and acknowledged and, uh, and implemented, all of these things are driving towards this component of um, ownership, right? Data, true data ownership. Um, so, yeah, like, uh, you know, I'm happy to be here today and doing this with you. And, um, um, you know, our, our team was supposed to be in Germany this week. And we were going to go to one of the largest um, uh, global conferences for, um, um, for um, digital identity, for the way identity is going to be used in businesses. And, and uh, I feel, I, I, man, I can only imagine what you would have encountered at a show like that. <laughs> It probably would have blown, yeah, it would have been, blown your mind. And, you, and I'm assuming, and you work in this every day, it probably still would have blown your mind. <laughs> 100%. And, and um, you know, we, we know who some of the participants are and we, we get to follow them and, and understand how they, how they operate and how they bring this to market and 
in supporting this, this global movement of identity. And identity using distributed ledger technologies, using uh, means for um, data ownership. But something really interesting is happening in EU right now that um, I don't think we're, you know, we're taking a lot of um, visibility into. Europe is moving towards this concept of a digital wallet for an individual that's going to start at grade one. Oh, wow. Okay. That's powerful. So let's, let's walk back some timelines here. I'm a bit worried, grade Dan, because is, when I was in school, I was always told that this would be on my permanent file and somehow hurt me later in life. That's actually now going to be true. I'm a bit worried, but that's another conversation for another day. Well, but let's, Tyler, let's we're going to put this backwards. on your permanent file. Like, oh my God, I, what, what is this going to mean when you're eight? It's a serious, it's a serious thing. <laughs> Sorry, I had a bad flashback. <laughs> but, but that's the reality, right? So you're right. Those things exist. But, what, but it goes back again to that control mechanism. You, they could have put it on your file back then, but you would have had no control of what statement went in there, how it got published, mm, who gets yeah. to see it, which record filing cabinet it exists in. <laughs> will it get transferred from school to school to school, right? Like... You didn't know that, right? You didn't know if it had an expiry uh, period, right? It's like, this is only good on Tyler for 24 months because afterwards he's going to be out of our school and it's somebody else's problem, <laughs> right? It was. That wasn't yes, the yes, case. yes, it was. <laughs> uh, so, okay. But imagine, let, let's walk this backwards for a second, right? Kid goes into grade one, he's probably going to be on average seven years old, right? When do we graduate university? We graduate university when we're, what, about 22, 23? Yep, roughly in there. Right, so we've got about a 15-year gap in there, right, of, of, of school that we got to go through. And we'll go through a number of different schools uh, in iterations of it. I don't want to date us in, um, in the age that we're in, but, you know, we're forever 29. I get it. Um, <laughs> I'm with you 100%. So taking this forever 29 example um, and adding 15 to it, it's still within our lifetime that that kid is going to be the one that we're going to have to hire Mm-hmm. in one of our businesses um, as we move forward in life. And this kid is going to come forward. Um, and I'm going to call him a kid because, you know, there'll be an adult by that time. At yep, but I understand the context. There'll be an adult. But they're going to come in with a digital wallet that's had and maintained all of their records of all of their achievements, right, um, that they've earned over the years. Because it's not about saying, oh, you know, Chad went to detention and Dan went to detention and, you know, I got suspended. It's not about that. It's about the achievements, right? It's about the, the acknowledgement of the things that you've achieved over that period of time. Mm-hmm. So if I now take that and I say, that's the person that I need to hire and they just, they choose via selective disclosure to give me access to the data set that I require as part of my, you know, hiring process. First of all, our hiring process is going to be so much more different than we are encountering it today, yeah. right? Where even the recruitment company is going to ask you for certain things. Then they're going to place you at a you know, potential hire uh, um, and so on. But all of that will continuously be done digital, right? So now you as a hiring manager will have to have a system in which you can view the information that's coming to you digitally because it will no longer be just a, you know, a six-page PDF of your, um, yeah. of your resume. Plus, you probably don't have a resume. You're fresh out of school. What's your resume going to say? You know, paper delivery... Um, I worked at, uh, I was, a know, ma- I was, I was the head Subway. of this, this committee. I did this thing. Yeah. 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 I raised yeah. money for this charity. Yeah. That's what it, well, the right, whole like world of resumes, that's another, I think we could, uh, I think there's other, we could have another podcast just on where that's headed <laughs> Literally, and how right? that kind of that, you know, algorithms and keywords has failed us as a search and as a recruiting tool. Like, so anyway, that's another, <laughs> that's another topic for another day. Well, and that's a, and that's a good question. I mean, I don't know if you ever talked to, um, uh, 
Oh, there's AccuSpire. I don't know if you ever talked to I Acuspire, haven't, no. But uh, I'll introduce you guys. I think it'll be a great opportunity for you guys to, uh, to open up that door because that's exactly where he's, he's deeply focused in. Um, and it's very important to, to understand why he took that, that, uh, that road. But um, that's, that, going back to that 23-year-old that we're about to hire, right? in Europe, they're about to instill this process of verified digital credentials and verifiable digital credentials as part of their uh, daily tasks. So Austria, if I'm not mistaken, is of January 1st, 20. 22. So we're talking about like very short period of time here, yeah, right? A month from now. <laughs> In a month from now, they're going to be mandating that all businesses have a way to manage digital credentials. Hmm. Can read, can issue, can retract digital credentials. So it's well and beyond what we had imagined as this is future. It's like, no, no, no. We keep going back to the futures. Now we just, you know. Well, it's the old joke. The futures here is it's not evenly distributed, right? There's that, you know. Yeah. That's like, I think quote, that quote from here, the right? 70s or 60s. Yeah. And it's, it, it's here. Like we recognize it. We know it. We just, you know, it's about, it's about acknowledging it, right, ultimately. And, and that's, that, that's that factor. Um, but all this has been happening behind the scenes for quite some time. And it's now just taking shape and it's taking flight. And in Canada, we're doing a lot of phenomenal things around it. And we've got a, um, an incredible ecosystem in this digital identity. Where does Canada sit on the, like, versus the Austria story of like, you know, January 2022 versus where Canada, in so many things, yeah. we're, you know, it's easy to look at Canada as we're a little bit behind the curve when it comes to digital. Or when it comes to this, are we on par? Are we like in lockstep? Where, where yeah, are we sitting? I'd say, Tyler, I'd say we're, we're on par. Okay. Right? I'd say we're, um, we might not have mandated it by law, but we're, um, we're acknowledging its its presence. We're deploying it. We're um, adapting to it. We're uh, knowing that it's it's part of our daily lives. We're like, look at Ontario, right? And the Ontario driver's license, right? That is one of its first use cases of a of a digital credential that's uh, come out. So we're starting to learn even the the lingo of a digital credential, right? Or a verified credential. It's now becoming part of our um, part of our ecosystem. So. When this comes for your workforce certification or it comes for your nursing certification or it comes for your APEGA certification, it's no longer going to feel like it's a completely brand new thing that we've, we've never heard of and it's a, somebody's watching me. It's, all I know is that it's coming directly from the source. I can trust it. The person that's viewing it can trust it. And it's, um, and it's um, non-fungible. Right? So and very powerful of where we're going and where we're moving with this. Absolutely. And from what and you kind of does doing a and, fantastic. And job. from what you guys are seeing and like some of the companies you're dealing with, what's the barrier yeah. to the size of organization I would be for this to make sense versus there's always the big versus small and big usually gets a competitive yeah, advantage because sure. they have scale and they've got budget and they've got, yeah, you know, they've got a thousand or 2000 person use case. It's got a different value proposition for them for, to implementate implementation are you seeing it work its way like is, is like always is that who's going to bring it on first and then it's going to work its way down the chain so that at, no matter i'm a contractor i'm building a one-off house and i bring in a crew and i want to make sure because i've got wcb i've got liability i've got insurance issues like it's still real for me as the one-off who i build three homes a year versus i'm building yeah. the new uh you know entertainment district uh down or the new the quote-unquote new saddle dome mm -hmm. well and uh, the the answer is the answer can vary Okay. Right, but the reality is that you know you look at our company, right? As Creative Arrow, we have clients from as small as twenty employees to hundred employees, 
to one of our largest uh, clients that just rolled out with us in the construction space. There are 5,200 employees across all provinces in Canada, right? Um, so price is actually not a barrier to entry. That's been, the, that's been the most important component that we wanted to factor in from when we started this. It, we never wanted to be offensive with our pricing to, um, uh, to the client because they, one, they recognize they need it. Two, we recognize the cost of technology um, and how it's been building. But three, it's about um, the adoption process of it. And it's simple. Like once you build something, and I think you and I talked about it in a previous podcast, for us it was always about build something so simple that anybody can just pick it up and use it. That was always the intent. And we're seeing that that's the, tr that's the truth and our, and our technology has managed to break that barrier of entry uh, from a simple to use use case. Anybody, like, we implemented this, this, this company right now that we were just talking about. So we rolled out their use case for uh, verified credentials for um, their workforce. And this applies to every single person, head office to field operations. Um, and it was done in three weeks. So you don't have that, that, you know, great idea, but oh man, we failed and we couldn't implement it and we had, you know, people wouldn't adopt it. And like, so, cause adoption no. is so critical with technology and it becomes this 100%. whole change management process, but that's not what I'm hearing. Yeah. No. And, and especially because they're, they're, hmm. they're now used to these things, right? They're used to apps. They're craving apps. They want apps. They want ways to just, um, store, manage, control and use things simply, right? Like, and, and I have well, because the consumer world whole, has taught us that that's what we should expect, right? <laughs> Ultimately. Yeah. And, this, and this whole, you know, have everything on your phone, right? And we talked about, um, you know, whether it's your COVID, um, uh, you know, shots, uh, your vaccination proof, whether it's your um, debit card, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how many times do you walk in a store and you see somebody just tapping their phone as their debit card or their credit card? I haven't right? paid like, for a coffee with anything besides my phone at Starbucks for three years. Four years? I don't even yeah. remember. Like that was probably my first use case, which was a, a it was not so much now that I work from home. My my yeah. my coffee in my kitchen, they don't charge me, but that's good. Uh it was <laughs> it was a daily use case, like once, once to twice to maybe three times a day. And it, I'd never even thought of taking out my credit card. Even if I ran out of money, I would just reload it on the app and then pay again. Like and you know, and I adopted right? that in about 30 seconds once I realized it made my life easier. <laughs> And, and especially, and take the same thing with parking, right? Like, yeah, that's another good example. You're paying for parking on your phone. You're paying, like, there's so many use cases in somebody's daily activities that yeah. are already doing it in another shape, way, or form. Yeah. That this is not straying away from that. It's just emphasizing that same use case to just the next level of certification or credential that you need, right? Like, that's that's a hundred percent. Which, which you're right. It's just, it's almost more of a pull strategy because the consumer is saying, well, why, why is it so hard? Why do you need me to print? Like someone says me something, oh, can you print yeah. something off? Can you bring me a PDF? I'm like, I don't have a printer. I'm like, what are you asking me for? I'm like, no, I'm going <laughs> to print it off. I don't even have a printer in my house and I don't have the need to get one. So pivoting back, gotta, to, pivoting back to the business. Yeah. So is this a bit of a, like you guys have just, you just came through a funding round. So congratulations on that. I know, I, I know Thank enough you. to know how much hard work that is. Uh, but it's also, yeah. it's validating. It's another checkbox on the, in the column of like, Hey, there's a group of people that believe in us and they're willing to believe in us with real dollars. When you look at your business model, is this an example of we got to build it to a certain point for it actually to make financial sense? Like, as I understand, you've kept your costs low. So there's a low barrier to adoption, but then it really becomes yeah. a scale conversation. Like how, how soon can we get X amount? Like if, if a million people give me a dollar, I have a million dollars. So how many versions yeah. of that do you guys have to run through and kind of where you are in the cycle without not like 
without opening, if you want to open the books, sure. But I'm imagining yeah. that's not the case. How's the model working in terms of like when you're catching up from your funding to actually making this a viable business that's now got enough critical mass? Yeah. So I think for us, you know, you look at you look at a technology company, and the and the reality is the the biggest cost is human capital, mm. right? It's it's development, sales, onboarding, um, supply chain, right? Like that's that's the part that you're you're really spending your your capital on, right? We don't have physical assets or tangible assets to be able to say, oh, but that's going to be a sunk cost for X Y Z. So when it comes down to, you know, where we are today at um at a um, growth strategy. By the end of next year, so by the end of 2022, um, if we look at our company size, if we decided to no longer raise any capital, we would be self, self-sustained and sufficient um, because we would be able to go out and say, we've done X amount of net new sales on top of our existing uh, revenues from this year, from 2021, and the balance of the two together, because they're, uh, they're typically yearly contracts for mm-hmm. on a SaaS model. Okay. Right? So... Um, the nice part for us is there's a there's a point of scale where you can just say one person can handle 40 accounts. And it's okay because there isn't that much. Um, and that's the beauty about building something um, easy to use and, and uh, compatible with the user's persona. Um, there's not that much post-communication, like post-adoption communication. Mm, got it. Right? Uh, it's really more around when they come back and they say, hey, by the way, wouldn't it be great if it also does this? Right? Like recently we had a client that came in and said, wouldn't it be fantastic if I took this um, compliance tool that you gave me where I can go in and say, on a location, at a project, here's the, um, here's the minimum you know, certification requirements before you come in. Wouldn't it be fantastic if you opened up a network of this where I can pass it on, pass this package of requirements to every one of my subcontractors so they can see what's required of them before they even show up on site. Right, so we created this this new uh, module called the network, specifically for this. So, if I'm just, you know, let's take your example of the event center, right? The new event center being built. If I'm the event center prime contractor, and I just need my um, the buyer of my services, so the, the people I'm contracting to, to actually know who's physically showing up on that worksite and when, and how qualified they are and what they do, I can just pass this visibility through the supply chain all the way down through to my subcontractor, hmm. right? And the subcontractor's subcontractor. And that becomes really powerful. So for us, it now becomes, it's more about new module development and enablement of different features of people saying, wow, it would be phenomenal if it does this. And I can go to my community and say, hey, if I build this, would it be a good use for everybody? Or is it going to be a one-off use case, right? But what we're seeing is everybody's kind of coming back and saying, hey, that's a phenomenal use case. I would love to use that. Hmm. Um, so it's expanding that, that process. Well, but it's, and that's the bonus for you guys to take when you don't have to be constantly looking backwards, dealing with implementations yeah. or, or debugging or all those things. And you can actually be crowdsourcing from your actual customers what they want to see. That's when you're yeah. that product market fit is evolving and, you know, giving your customers right. something before they even know they need it or the, like having them in that conversation. So yeah. from a funder's perspective, uh, clearly they get it. That's why they've come to the table. Where, where just geography, are they, are they here in Calgary? Are they in Canada? Are they in Western Canada? Are they in the U S where, yeah. where's the money coming in from? Who, who gets it? <laughs> so here's what I can tell you from our funding round. So we went out, um, uh, to raise and we had a, we had a capital that we wanted to raise Yep, and it wasn't small. It was a, it was a, it was a few million bucks. Yep. And we ended up with a 75% oversubscribe. 
Okay. Right, so quite significant. So significant enough that um, the board and us had to agree whether we wanted to go that, that much further out. Yep. Um, which was okay, because it extends ultimately our runway to even go out and consider an additional round, which was fantastic for everybody. Um, but what was most importantly was our um, uh, segmentation. So again, you look at where we raised all this capital from. Calgary, Saskatchewan, and I'd say this was the first time we dipped our toes into Toronto okay. uh, for the capital. And out of the entire pool, we raised out of Toronto only... It was actually sub ten percent. Oh, interesting. Okay, so very yeah, much the, so the, the, the pra- five to six percent. The prairies, as a, as a geography, were came to the 100%. table. Great. Yeah. And were these uh, investors that had been in and kind of re-upped, or was there a significant amount of new new faces at the table? Some. Yeah. Some re-upped. Um, a number of new to the table. Yeah. Um, but it was a. Um, it was it was it was important to watch them understand the use case because they can they can attribute it to everything they uh, they believed in and they understood mm-hmm. and actually uh, sorry I did I did misspeak on one component I did actually have one um, uh, US investor okay and the US investor happened to be a, a partner of ours in our business so they're one of our um, resellers of our product and a, and a big partner of ours and um, they came in from New York uh, with uh, with their check and it was um, it was important to have them in because they they understand the growth and the opportunity of the network, right? Like, what's the value of building these rails of communication between all the parties, yeah. right? And being that the rail of truth between all the different, um, you know, the the buyer of our system, the companies, the individuals, and then the issuing bodies of that certification. Mm. And um, so, if you still look at even ex- ex- or including them into our package, you know, ten percent was not raised from the prairie. Oh, that's a great, that's fantastic. It's not always the yeah. story I hear talking on the show to different yeah. people raising funds and like, oh, geez, I'd love to, but I, you know, 76 investors and 74 of them are from south of the border. And, you know, not that that's bad, but at the same time, we want to no. be able to kind of amplify that here. What's the competitive landscape for this product? Is it like, a, is, it, is, is there a low, low barrier in, that will refine over time? Because lots of times these spaces, when it starts to get, people go, whoa, this is a good idea. There's a flood of fly by night yeah. back of the, out of the trunk of your car kind of operators. I'm not sure if that's the case here or not. That was no. maybe minimized it, but what's that looking like? Yeah, I think if, uh, if anybody came into directly our competitive space today, um, you know, we're looking at an 18 to 24 month. Okay, to uh, get it up. Okay. To get it up and running with, again, keep in mind the security component, the architectures, the, the development of it, right? Like this is, even prior to us launching the product, this was, you know, three years in the making, okay. um, behind the scenes, right, hands on keyboard, uh, getting everything done, right? So w- when we officially came out to market and started now getting, you know, the full deep user insights and so on, we were already three years in okay. to what we were doing. So, right? so yeah. if I'm a consumer... And then getting the user to tell you what works, what doesn't work, how the use case right. is... Right, yeah, just because you were ready, to, you, you were ready to start trying it, you weren't ready to say it's... Per- yeah. Is it, is it ever, is, is, is it ever, difference. is it ever done? Uh, so if I'm a, if I'm a company and I'm, and I'm, I'm hearing, hearing you talk, or I've been thinking about this, or it's just my reality. I deal with credentials all the time and I've got a stack of papers and oh my God, and trying to just administratively, yeah, sure. what do I have to, I, I'm assuming there's probably some watch outs. Like, do I have like, as a consumer, as an individual who's now, these are my credentials that I want to take ownership over, or I'm an issuing body or yeah. I'm a company. Is there any, is there any watch outs right now? Is there any snake oil out there? 
No. Okay. Not really. Okay. Um, so you know, there's because in digital, sometimes yeah. there always seems like there's a shinier mousetrap, and then when you peel back the layers, it's not so shiny. And I'm not going to ask yeah. directly, but I know there's been a recent event in our in our city where there was a something that came out and said, "Oh, this, use this; it's safe; it's great," and it wasn't. Yeah. And there wasn't the security infrastructure there to back it up, and that can really can can pull people back really quickly. Hundred mm -hmm. percent, and and you know, there's. Um, There's always going to be technologies that are going to be spoken about, and they're going to be, you know, that smoke and mirror, yeah. right? Really, it's um, something pretty on the front end, but you've got, you know, a hundred people running behind the scenes trying to trying to make it actually work, right? And seem seamless to you on the front end. Um, and you know that this is going to continue happening. It's the normal cycle of technologies, mm, yeah. um, kind of like in in the blockchain space, right? We went into the um, initial coin offering ICO craze, right, in 2017, 2018. And all of a sudden you saw SEC crackdowns and Canadian Security Commission's crackdowns and such, right, and global crackdowns on, on fraudulent activities. And it, there's always going to be bad actors out there and, and a bad nature of, of where this goes. Um, I think as a consumer, if you're truly like the business of consumer technology, so if you're a consumer, it's about just doing some research, right? And sometimes even as simple as reading reviews, is good enough, right? Kind of like you and I go and want to book a hotel, right? Or want to book an Airbnb. Great, but I bet you if I read the first page of reviews, I'll get a pretty good sense yeah. whether one, that's going to be a great host, or two, is going to be um, you know, a really bad hotel that they haven't told you and outside of the pretty pictures and the wide lenses they used what actually <laughs> the, going the on, truthfulness yeah. is. Yeah. And, we, right? and we've grown to rely on that, that, that peer-based. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So now that's, so that's important. Yeah, fair. But, that's fair. You know, there's... Yeah, there's a there's a big there's a big movement in this in this space, right? About this truthfulness and this and this honesty, and um, we have this beautiful young generation coming up, right? That is so powerful with their words and their messaging, and they'll tell it like it is, right? Like you didn't do well, you didn't do well, right? There's not <laughs> much of like yeah. um, I'm gonna put it in you know proper. Um, business terms and language and make you feel comfortable and such about it. It's not that, right? It kind of walks you through the, this wasn't a great experience. <laughs> it would be pretty, pretty ranting as to why it wasn't, mm. um, right? And, and we have to appreciate that because that's going to be part of what we're all going to be, you know, living with. Well, and that, and that is part of the self-regulation of the whole thing, right? It's like the proverbial right. living in a small town. I grew up in a small town. You didn't need social media. You always knew who was good to deal with and who wasn't. But the world has become right. that with technology. Yeah, absolutely. You, you trust yeah. your neighbor that you've never met because they wrote this review and it seems articulate and they seem kind of like, okay, yeah, I, I get it. You know, that you're just right. reviews is such a great example because you don't even have to read 10 good reviews. You read one bad one. And you're like, yeah, but that person doesn't seem like me. Like I, I get where they maybe, maybe they were that hard yeah. to please person. And you filter it all now when you've read them. It's very interesting. Mm -hmm. You do. And, and it's really interesting because now we're walking into, you know, we're walking into a new, into a new space. And, um, and I think this is going to be, you know, when we're going to do our fourth, because uh, we will do a fourth. Um, when we do our fourth, I think it's going to be really interesting to start digging into um, the digital identity space of accessing things like the metaverse, right? And accessing the, um, the new environment of what's going to be the most considered truth, right? And, um, you know, man, this is, going to be a, this is going to be a brand new world we're walking into and a brand new economy we're walking into. And um, 
And the metaverse is here to stay, uh, right? Like there's, there's no doubt about it. Um, the moment we launched this concept of augmented reality and, and virtual reality and embedded reality, um, we moved, we opened up the, the Pandora box to a limitless amount of things you can do in it. Right? Like imagine how powerful it is when I have my Google goggles on or my, um, you know, my next um, uh, headset unit on. And I can make my room be whatever I want. Well, you and I could throw our Oculuses on right now. And we yeah. could go and download the Microsoft like Oculus Conference app. I was going down this rabbit hole today. I get I get a good buddy of mine who's the same age as me, and yeah. and we play virtual video games together in Oculus just because like if, okay, let's go and pretend we're twelve. What would we do? And we go in these virtual worlds yeah. and run around and hang out. And he's moved away, so it's how we connect. And I'm like, man, it's it's right there. And that's the thing costs five hundred bucks. Like the barrier is yeah. nowhere. Like this was no this way. is the holodeck that right. you and I watched the growing up as kids, right? <laughs> yeah, and and how but how incredible is it that now you can start you know, creating your own home. And within your own home, you can be like, I'm going to go buy this designer desk. And it's like, who would have thought that a designer yeah. desk in a metaverse A virtual designer actually, desk, to be really clear what we're talking about. Let's be very clear. Yeah. A virtual designer desk, right? Because I could be sitting here in a completely empty room, but everything is around me as I need it to be. And then I want to sell it to you, right? Like, like I can buy a 65-inch flat screen that's a only for me to see in my Oculus, and then I can just trade it with you because you might need it in your place because I decided to buy a virtual projector. Just like we do in the real world. And now with NFTs and the reality of the value of that yeah. thing, like, and it's not coming, it's here. Yeah. You know, mass, mass uh, right? adoption is what's coming, but the reality of what's here, yeah. it's already here. Well, and, oh, and it's and exciting and overwhelming and all the things all at the same time, eh? A hundred percent. I'm in. I'm all. I'm all in. Because why not? (laughs) Well, you have no choice. Yeah, totally. There there is no. There There are some that are resistant to it, though. There are some that are like, well, not for me. I'm like, well, it's it's kind of like a lot of things in our world. If you want to participate, this is what participation is going to look like, right? That's right. Right. I mean, like, take a look at Justin Bieber, right? And he's he's about to run the first uh, uh, virtual concert. Hmm. It's mind blowing that it's going to be done in that fashion in that way. And his avatar and his personality will have to come across in such a way in which you undoubtedly would want to take on to the next concert and the next concert. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the next concert. I was still trying right. to get over the fact that he just did a deal with Tim Hortons and he has his own Timbits. So I was, I'm still trying to <laughs> That's pro- I was still trying to process that. I'm like, what am I listening to right now? God, tell well, I'm, in, I'm just waiting I'm for Ryan Reynolds to, to come up with radio. something. Yeah, I'm like, what is <laughs> happening here? <laughs> well, I, just, I think it makes, I think it makes me less one of my Timbits, but that's another story. I, maybe I, you know what, Dan, I, I'm okay to know I'm not the target audience for that campaign. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, yeah. um, so, so it's so, so interesting in what you're building yeah. in the backbone of how, you know, if you just think about something that's as transactional as what used to be paper and now it's not, and now it's going to be safer. And, but now what we're talking about now is this conversation shifts is, this is replacing something like not as transactional as like, well, you had a paper record. Now you have a digital record and now you control it and, and it's fungible and all those things. And now we're moving into a level of something that like only sci-fi was imagining like not that, not that long ago. And I guess, I guess the argument is we're replacing the real world, but we're augmenting it with something different because the real world is still the world I live in. This is a whole nother thing. I don't even think it's a replacement yeah. or a comparison. It's a, it's a different universe. hundred <laughs> percent. And, and that's where for me, um, hmm you know, digital identity um, and your identity is going to be so critical, right? Because, I mean, I can go on LinkedIn today and create as many accounts as my 
Gmail addresses allow me to. Yeah, and then you can just uh, keep unli unlimited Gmail addresses. Like, you, yeah, you could. Right. And then the, the power to do not good things with that is exponentially available, right? Right, so the, back, the bad actor component is going to be is going to be incrementally um, reduced, in my opinion, over time. But the reality is that these um, these new ways of verifying who you are are going to are going to come in so many different ways, right? Like we've now gone. I think a lot of people misunderstand how quickly two factor authentication became a thing, hmm. right? And then three factor authentication became a thing. Right, because now I can go online and be like, "Oh, well, my RSA token is actually on my phone." Hmm. Right, so I can take my. And RSA how quickly token on my we phone. just went okay and just adopted adapted it. <laughs> right, we didn't even. Buy so like, oh, you need access to your bank and you need an RSA token because you don't want somebody to you know crack your uh, uncrackable password, which is your you know password one two three. Yeah, your, do your dog's um, your dog's name. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Um, or your you know pink sticky note that you used to put on your computer and be like, oh, "Don't you read my password? That's underneath my keyboard." Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> so many passwords, Dan. How am I supposed to remember them all? Anyways, yes, I know. I hear you. Yeah, and, and, and where it's so. But now it's changed. Yeah, and we just and we just accepted and we said, yeah, that's the way you want me to do business. And that's we, the way you want me to entrust you within my information. And you're telling me, in order for you to entrust me with your information, you need to do this for me in return, right? Which is two yeah. FA text message, email notification, whatever it is. All of this is now starting to happen at a at a. a at a new pace, right? Mm. And people are just saying, yeah, that's good by me, right? That's okay. Yeah. Um, so what's gonna happen when we go into this, into this digital identity space, right? And into the new world, and I'm calling it a new world because it's a, it's a digital world and it's gonna be its own world. Um, how do you know who's who? And that, yeah, that actor's that's, a That's really actor, interesting. Mm -hmm. Right? And that's where I, I think a lot of the global economies that are moving towards this data privacy component and and this ability to manage um, where people can truly own who they are. And there's still a portion of the world that doesn't have access to, to technology, right, in that sense. It, it actually, the so, argument, to a certain extent, it can just keep amplifying that gap, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, but now you have guys like Elon, right? Like throwing satellites out. Yeah, to, and making to it accessible, yeah. So accessible, right, that it's going to be it's oh, gonna so be like interesting the, the path Africa, we're on, yeah. It's like the Africa leap again, right? Where where they came in and and uh, some of the African countries um, leapfrogged, right? They went past like, oh, I have my you know entry level cell phone. They went into into iPhone fours, where like overnight that was a that was a thing and that was a a, a daily use and occurrence. And and now they're from a technology perspective, they're probably one of the heaviest day users of cryptocurrencies, mm -hmm. right? And exchanging it among the, amongst themselves. Because it's a phone-to-phone -phone interaction with no middlemans or banks or anything like that. Like even banking will be changed dramatically for us here shortly. Like imagine how powerful Facebook is going to be as a one of the largest global banks that it's going to be recognized as here pretty shortly. And why are they a global bank, right? I mean, if if you think of it, they've been talking about using cryptocurrency. And creating their own cryptocurrencies for years. Yeah, right? they, yeah, I remember and when that first started trickling out. Mm. They came out. They talked. Listen, we're going to create this cryptocurrency. That's going to be a. It's going to be a stable coin, which means that it's going to be pegged to um, to an inflation ratio. So it's not going to just have these wild swings every single day. Uh, and it's going to be backed by hard assets. Well, every time you buy it, you buy a hundred bucks of this cryptocurrency. This hundred bucks goes into a bank account. Well, it's Facebook's bank account, mm -hmm. right? 
post whatever transactions have to happen in the middle. It's Facebook's bank account. What's, what's going to happen when Facebook turns around and says we're going to be one of the largest banks in the world? And watch us create our own lending platforms, our own, um, you know, mortgage platforms for your metaverse um, house, right? And your metaverse boat, right? Because they have the most powerful thing. They have access to all the people. You know what I mean? They have a captive audience that, yeah, that are addicted to, yeah, anyways. Oh, Dan, this is such an interesting conversation. I didn't know we were going to go a little George Orwell and a little Brave New World. And I don't don't know. I don't know. What what, what other weird, uh, you know... uh, Dated Revolution, maybe yeah. Animal Farm. We'll throw that in there too, just for for anyone who's. Well, you know, it's worth reading all those. I read all those books last year just just to just to refresh because the, the reference. Uh, someone dropped an Atlas Shrugged reference on me the other day. I'm like, man, we love <laughs> we love to go back to something that was, and now whoa, look now what's happening. Anyway, that's another. Yeah, uh, the robots, the yeah. robots, the nerds are taking over the world, Dan. The nerds are taking over the world. <laughs> hey, listen, um, you know everybody has their place at one time. And uh, yeah, nice. now, well it's, said. Uh, well said. now it's the next, uh, that, now that's their iteration coming in. Dan, so, Dan thanks so much okay. for coming back on the show. I, I feel like yeah, I got to put a pin in this or we're going to go another hour and really go out into the, but we'll save True. that for a glass of wine perhaps. Congratulations on what you guys are doing <laughs> with Credivera. From when you and I met, you. you really kind of laid out blockchain and the potential. And I think we talked about the event center at, in that episode and you talked about, well, let's talk about just the loads of concrete. But now I love how you guys have laddered that and taken and saw the opportunity to to fill this need and you know not only creating safety, but the ownership that now I, as an individual, the the credibility of my credentials now just became more credible. <laughs> Sorry, this, I think that riddle works. But yeah. It's really interesting to see. And I'm one, really excited to hear your growth and love your story about being able to raise the bulk of your round in uh, the Prairie Provinces. That's a good, yeah. I'm not been, I don't hear that story all the time in the show. I often hear that, well, I wish, but I ended up having to go here. And then there's a the conversation of, well, maybe you should come to Boston. Maybe you should move your head office here and uh, to hear what you guys are doing here. And it makes me really excited about it for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I got to tell you, you know, we have a, we have an incredible uh, brokerage group that's been behind us through and through, and um, you know I got to give it up to uh, to the guys at Peters and Co. They've been absolutely phenomenal to work with. Nice and um, and uh, taking a leap of faith on us, right, and saying, hey, this is something that that will impact all of us. And Thanks for calling them out. Not not every not every entrepreneur calls out their their kind of lead investors on the show. So this is all about They're, telling the story to give people some give people some some yeah. some some cred, right? <laughs> well, I mean, and you know we're we're public with our lead investor, right? So uh, Tribune Capital. Um, Saskatchewan based, right? Del Mondor um, and his team, and uh, um, and Michael and the guys—they've been just absolutely astonishing to work with, right? And they get it, and they're and they're focusing their investments in not just the now, but what's in the future, yeah. right? And what's what's going to be used here in the um, in the near near term, short term uh, environment, and um, it's uh, it's incredible. Like if you guys haven't watched what Dell and his team have been doing. Um, they just launched an accelerator that focuses on um, on social media and um, um, influencers. Interesting, right? Like this is happening out of Calgary. And that again, well, I got to get them on the show because yeah. that's how that's what I do. When I learn yeah. about something new, I call them up and I get them on because. There's so yeah. many cool stories here that just don't get the mainstream and don't get. We don't hear about it all the time, and I think it's phenomenal. Did you talk to Brian Chow yet? No, I have not. Okay, so I got to get you in touch with Brian because you guys will will definitely hit it off. And he's running this accelerator with with Dell and the Tribune Capital Group. And um, you know he's got a phenomenal story of how he came in and started doing this and created this influencer marketplace 
uh, environment, and it's. Um, I, th- it's I, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about, but I never met him. So yeah. Well, Dan, let's let's anyway, let's let let's, let's let's give our audience a break. We'll let them we'll let them go on with their day here, and we'll continue chatting after this. But Dan, thanks so much for coming yeah. on uh, home.credivera.com. Check out the website. Uh, again, I'm very partial to the brand. I think it looks amazing. But more importantly, I love what you guys are doing, and I love I love your passion. Thanks for coming on, Dan. Pleasure. Thanks, Sarah.